Welcome to the Unitarian Universalist Fellowship of McMinnville podcast. Founded in 2007, UUFM is a gathering place for people who embrace a free and responsible search for truth and meaning. We are located in the heart of Oregon's Willamette Valley wine country. Please visit us on the web at macuuf.org, M-A-C-U-U-F dot org. And if you are ever in or near the McMinnville area, don't hesitate to stop by and visit us. UUFM gathers in love and service for justice and peace. Reverend Kate McGraw is going to deliver us some words of wisdom. I'm not sure about the wisdom part. (laughs) Questions? Thoughts? And I'm excited to see that you guys have conversation after I speak, so I'm curious to hear what people think. So like it says in the order of service, and I think on the website too, I'm a native Portlander, grew up in the Portland area mostly, Eugene a little while, moved to Alaska when I was just out of college, loved it up there, and that's where I met my first Unitarian Universalist. So, I was trying to do the math the other day. It's been a really long time. (laughs) So, I'm thinking 30-ish years. I've been a UU. Um, Went to divinity school in Tennessee, then came back to Oregon eventually. And now I serve as a chaplain for Providence in a program that serves frail elders in their homes. So I get to meet people all over Washington and Yamhill counties in their homes, and it's lovely. But I'm really grateful to be here with you guys today. So the, what we'll be reflecting on today is sort of related, well, completely related to that phrase that you hear people say almost thoughtlessly anymore. Whenever you hear someone's been a a military member, people say thank you for your service. Um, And I wanted to think a little bit more about that because it kind of doesn't sit well with me all the time. So this week, we'll be celebrating our country's 242nd birthday. It's been 242 years since our foreparents set forth a new nation declaring our independence from British rule. This is our most patriotic of holidays, and I learned it's one of your members' favorite holiday, so that's good to know. We fly flags and have picnics. Kids decorate their bicycles and ride in parades. It's also the holiday when we celebrate what the military has done for us. Fireworks keep my dog barking until late into the night. That sort of recalls for us the bombs blasting an ear of the War of 1812. And we show our gratitude to our service members for all they have done for us by saying, thank you for your service. And if everything is going well, this is where the film breaks into the, the patriotic blockbuster movie, right? We hear thank you for your service, we hear the patriotic music and all is well. But as a pacifist, I get uncomfortable with the military part of the holiday to start with. 
And that phrase, thank you for your service, makes my stomach tie up in knots. It's not that I don't honor the service given by our military members. I do. It's just that it feels like when you wake up on Christmas morning and the gift you've been given is way beyond the ability of the giver to really offer you. It's such a big gift, such a powerful gift, such a costly gift that I feel uncomfortable <coughs> receiving it. I respect our service members deeply for the choice they make and the choice to risk their lives for a higher ideal. Lots of us have probably done that either in the service or in other ways. Maybe not risked our lives, but been in fear at least, standing up in protests or speaking truth to power in one way or another. I want them to receive every honor, every support, every bit of love we can muster in response to the gift they have given. I'm just barely old enough to remember what happened to young soldiers coming back from Vietnam. Our national ambivalence about the war was visited on them. They were challenged, insulted, even spat upon. People called them murderers and baby killers, all as they climbed, glassy-eyed off airplanes, not even sure that they were among the living, having just endured the trauma of war. They survived a hell that we don't have any way to start to conjure, at least I don't. And we wounded them further by the way we received them home. I don't want that for this new generation. They have sacrificed physical and emotional safety, and for many that sacrifice continues for the rest of their lives. And they did it for us. Or maybe they did it because of economic and racial injustice in our country, the injustice that makes military service one of the only ways for some people to get an education without huge debt or to climb out of generational poverty. But either way, as the Hebrew Bible says, their blood is upon us. Whatever got our young women and men into the military, they should be thanked for their service, absolutely. But I'm still unsettled. When I see the pictures of wistful spouses and hopeful children walking through their days until their beloveds return, when I see the service members themselves running to meet them, when I see people like the tall, burly, 40-something guy in the crowd ahead of me the other day, tanned with curly blonde hair, wearing a Standing on the Side of Love t-shirt, and taking purposeful strides on two titanium ankles, I think about the sacrifices our soldier make, soldiers make, and I wonder if they're really worth it. Are the goals we're asking them to sacrifice for really worthy of what they put at risk? Worthy of what they give? Have we really tried every other option? Whether the goals are worthy or not does not diminish their service. Our returning service members still deserve our love and care, no matter what conclusion we come to about that question. And as I think about it, my question isn't even about the individual service members, really. It's about us, about the rest of society. That's why saying thank you for your service makes my stomach hurt. 
I get thrown into a moral quandary when I thank someone for the great risk, the huge sacrifice they're making in my name. It makes me responsible in a way for what I'm thanking them for. They did it for me, in my stead even. That's what hooks me. What if I don't want them to have to do it? What if I question the whole proposition? When I use the word for service to name the incredible losses military members and their families suffer, I'm implying that these losses have meaning. That they weren't for naught, that there's a greater purpose at work. But what is that greater purpose? I'm honestly not sure. What if the meaning we imply when we use that word service is simply our way of making something that's ultimately so confusing and making sense of something that's ultimately so confusing and so overwhelming that we're stuck in a sort of spiritual limbo. Stuck in a place where the world as we know it hurts our hearts and we don't know the way forward to anything else. Because the truth is that I wish for a world where no mother's son, no father's daughter ever goes to war. Where nobody needs to use violence to settle differences. A world where the inherent worth and dignity of all people is celebrated and where we tenderly care for the earth as the mother of us all. That's what my heart wants. But then my head gets involved and says, yeah, you might want that, but that's not the way the world works. I don't even know whose voice that is really. But it's in there. And the truth is that as much as I want a world of peace, I can't reason a way forward from here to there. Things were different when I was a 22-year-old radical feminist living in Alaska. I knew how to fix the problems of the world. I'd harangue any passerby with my views. I protested in the streets, I worked at Planned Parenthood and in the battered women's movement. I wore t-shirts that gave the answer right there on the front. <laughs> I had passion and purpose aplenty. In the years since though, my vision has become broader, which is a good thing overall, but it means that the problems of the world and their solutions are nowhere near as clear cut as they were back then. So where do we begin? when the task seems insurmountable. We are deeply and painfully aware of all that is wrong. Racial injustice, sexual violence, economic inequality, global warming, and despite the recent victory, people are still not truly love, free to love whomever they choose. Just to name a few. So where do we start? And once started, how do we sustain ourselves in this work? When General Assembly was here in Portland a couple of years ago, the theme was making a new way. I don't know if any of you guys got to go, but I did, it was my first GA, and it was pretty exciting. They talked a lot about following in the footsteps of UU humanists of history, for whom social change work was a sort of spiritual and religious sacrament, although they probably wouldn't use that word, that was my translation an outward and visible sign of an inward and spiritual grace. We talked and prayed and sang about a new wave of work in the world. We had an action for public witness, for climate justice. We celebrated loudly and enthusiastically 
when we heard about the Supreme Court ruling, upholding marriage for everyone, this one gets me. We responded to the many murders of African-American people in our cities, affirming that black lives do matter, and committing ourselves to stand with people of color, just as Minister James Reed did in Selma, Alabama, all these many years ago. We heard from James Reed's colleague, Clark Olson, as he received the Distinguished Service Award. This award is given to a lay or professional leader who over a considerable period of time strengthened the institutions of our Unitarian Universalist denomination and or clarified our message in an extraordinary way while exemplifying what Unitarian Universalism stands for. He lost his colleague in that march many years ago in Selma and he has continued through his life to work for justice. And as he held the rumpled piece of paper with the award citation, the Reverend Mark Ward read from it, this is the 50th anniversary year of the events in Selma. We have been proud to see you lifted up as an exemplar of our faith, one who followed the call to justice, who showed up, and despite injury and intimidation, remained a generous and compassionate leader in the cause for freedom and justice. And when it came time for Olson to talk, Oops, I missed a part. <laughs> so Ward talked more. He talked about Olson's 56 years of UU ministry, saying, in a career of many phases, from parish to organization, from the boardroom to the classroom to the streets of Selma, you demonstrated the transforming power of showing up and bringing your full self to the work that awaits us, showing the way to a higher calling that awaits us all. Maybe there's some direction for us there. Olson, when he replied, and he was a petite man with the most loving eyes, so you could see them even though he was miles away across the room, wiped away tears as he accepted the award. He said, we all live our lives at the intersection of mystery and values, and to explore that intersection, reaching into the riches of human experience, offers a deeply satisfying opportunity for insight and growth. I feel awed and grateful that made as we are from the stardust of creation, inherent in all of us is the desire to love others and to embrace efforts to bring more justice into this world. There are clues in Olson's remarks that point the new way the new way that my heart wants, that probably your hearts want. The first is showing up. James Reeve and Clark Olson and Orloff Miller, UU ministers, responded to a call from Dr. King asking for support on that fateful march to Selma for voting rights. They showed up and James Reeve gave his life for his commitment to racial justice. We UUs have a long history of leading movements for social change women's rights, gay rights, public education, environmental justice, and more. We've been at the center of the fray leading the charge, and we can be proud of that. And now we're called to, do, to continue that, but also to be thoughtful about showing up in support of other people's work, allowing others to lead. 
The showing up we're being called on to do now is about being in solidarity with others. Decentering ourselves as the leader and following the lead of people in the communities we're supporting. So in the Black Lives Matter campaign, for example, we're called to show up and stand together, support the work, educate ourselves about racism, and honor the leadership that exists in the black community. Ask, how can we help? Instead of just assuming we know, and then show up, like those men did in Selma. I find the second clue to our new way in Olson's comments when he says, we are made from the stardust of creation. That, I love that phrase. It gets my sort of mind and my heart all a tingle because it connects us to something so much bigger and so much older. He says, inherent in all of us is the desire to love others and embrace efforts to bring more justice in our world. That is the spiritual foundation for our work. That relationship, that connection to other people and connection to the world, connection to the universe. Our work has a spiritual foundation. For Olson, it's about our continuity with the stardust of creation. And many of us claim as our spiritual foundation the love that th flows through us and through all reality. There are lots of names for that love, right? but we all, we all can claim it in one way or another. And it shows up in our lives in lots of ways, and it's alive among us, in our communities. I saw it here this morning. It's the love that's in our Answering the Call of Love campaign, giving life to our efforts to bend the arc of the universe toward justice. We stand in service to that greater love in the world putting our hearts and our bodies in motion, speaking out or joining protests or writing or praying or singing or serving, doing all the many things that bring greater justice and more love to this world. So now back to my original quandary, my original discomfort. How do we answer the call of love when faced with a sister or brother returned from military service? Or the spouse or child whose beloved didn't return? I believe we follow our hearts first. That's where the love resides. We follow our hearts and respond in love and compassion, acknowledge the fullness of that experience, the pain and loss, the fear, the pride. Say a hearty thank you for your service if that's where you feel called, if that's really what you mean. And then stand with that person in what follows. Be there when she needs services for her family while she's away. Make sure he gets the care he needs for visible and invisible injuries when he returns home. And at the same time, we continue to stand on the side of love working for a world where no mother's daughter and no father's son ever has to experience what that person did. A world where there is peace and justice for all. Because love can hold both. Love is big enough to hold our pain that this person made a sacrifice that we would not have asked for. Love can hold the wounds she brings home, and love can heal us both. Amen and blessed be.
And now, let's have a moment of just settling in. Settle into your seats, get comfortable. Breathe. Let your heart and your mind settle and expand to hold this reality and all the reality you encounter. back to this room, back to this company. So I am very curious to hear what thoughts and feelings and ideas you all have. Really good idea. What was the question? 
Oh, she's, she asked if I had ever had a candid conversation with a service member about how it sounds to them when someone says thank you for your service. And that's a really good idea. So I, I, I was a surgeon in Vietnam for a year at a surgical hospital. Can, can you hear this? Yeah. Is it on? Close. Close to your mouth. So I'm, I'm, I'm moved by your talk and, and sort of overwhelmed by the, the topic. And what jumped into my mind was, I know, the clarity of, of, of the service that, that people could give to each other there, but not to, not to everyone else. I mean, not to you or the country or to, or to the concept of war or that particular war, which most people were, but it was a, a draft war. I, I mean, I thought, of, of a black man named uh, e e e Ezekiel uh, Jackson, Easy he was called, and he was on his fourth year of grave duty in Vietnam. He had re-upped his fourth time because of the clarity of what he was doing. Hmm. Prevented him from going home. I mean, he just was, um, and it was it was clear. Uh, I had to say, I went there deeply opposed to the war, and deeply opposed to wars in general, but most of these people were presented with uh, impossible choices. Right. They, they, this was a, not a volunteer army. These were disadvantaged folks for the most part. We had the highest, that war had the highest percentage of support troops to actual grunts, combat folks, of any, um, forces that we'd ever put into into service. And they were the youngest and the poorest and the most disadvantaged by the time I was there in 1971. Um, and most of them were, were there in support and doing service, but it was the clarity of, of it's like living on an island on, on, uh, in Sitka. I mean, we spent time in Alaska as well. And, and uh, and it's that blurring of the lines between other and family and being all related and in this together that allows people in Ketchikan and Sitka to feel like you're in the same community. If you've been in the winter for two months, everybody knows you. And we're all wearing rain gear. And, and, and it, it was that same phenomenon. Um, but, it, it, and it was hard, I think, for for most of the folks that were in support positions to go home, it was hard to give up. And you, you found folks that had just turned over their lives to going back. It was mm -hmm. amazing. Uh, one of the most surprising parts of the whole thing. So you're saying they were in service to one another. Exactly. So. And not, and, 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 be clear. and it was not. I mean, that, there, were, there were folks that were not in service to each other, but the army, Every army, and going back to whenever, has learned how to create that mm -hmm. that bond where you are linked to the man next to you. And it's certainly, if, if, if they're doing really dangerous things, you're linked to them in a, in a very uh, clear path mm -hmm. as to what, what your requirements are to them. So I think that's a, a too good. 
But thank you for your service. Really pisses me off as well. Does it? And, and, uh, and it's a confusing thing. And, and certainly the militarism that's associated with things like Memorial Day are, 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 are very difficult. I, I find that, that I need some sort of ritual around Memorial Day that isn't there and that doesn't involve drums mm -hmm. uh, and, it, and And it happens every now and again, but it doesn't happen all the time. Right. It's so complicated. Thank you. Yeah, I think I have a lot of mixed feelings about this, and I don't think I realized that they were as many mixed feelings as there were. But, you know, I think the military, you know, Phil said some of that, has done a lot of wonderful things for some people, but has done a lot of horrible things. And it's done a lot of, and we have, we have, I'll say we, because it's been, you know, this country and this government and our military that has done a lot of horrible things in the world. Mm -hmm. um, and, I think the, you know, what we did to people when they came back from Vietnam was horrible. <clears throat> and, um, and I understand a lot of why that happened, but it's, you know, the pendulum swings and the pendulum seems to have swung too far the other way, in my opinion now, so that this thank you for our service and, and almost, you know, blind adoration in a lot of ways of service members um, smacks of, of blind militarism nationalism to me and 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 we see a lot of that playing out in this country in a whole lot of other ways and I think that's the piece of it that worries me and really frightens me um, and yet at the same time we're putting no money into VA and to various support we've got homeless veterans on the street um, you know we're not taking care of those people so it's you know, in, in one voice, we're saying thank you for our service, and yet we're not supporting them in the way they need to be supported when they come back damaged. Right. Um, yeah, I think she, she said that very well. Uh, thank you for your service, I think, is an unfortunate phrase. It's very I cannot thank someone for the, their misfortune of being involved <coughs> in that process, the, the military. It's just, I wish there was another way to reference somebody's experience other than thank you for something that we would be better off without. Yeah, exactly. And yet, they make a huge sacrifice to do it, whether we agree with it or not. People make sacrifices all over the place all the time. Yes. Right. Yeah. Why focus right. on that? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so I was in the Army Reserves for six years, and I did it. I, I grew up in poverty and homelessness. People may not know this. <laughs> so, and, and Phil actually said it, is a lot of us were there because we needed to be lifted up. <laughs> it's a path out. Absolutely. I don't think I can do it. <laughs> but... Sometimes I appreciate it, you know, yes, and sometimes I did, I never really thought, you know, I never felt insulted, or I never felt, um, and people have said that, and, in, and my role in, in the realm of things, you know, six years reservist, I was an administrative person, um, I was there during when we went to Kuwait, but I never went anywhere but Fort Lewis, so, you know, never very far, you know, and stuff like that, so, um, 
But I have a nephew that returned from Iraq with shrapnel in him. I have a father who retired it. So for some of us, and a lot of the kids, they're young guys, all of us kids, we were 18, 19, you know, and stuff. And it was our way up, you know, Absolutely. and out of some, you know, kind of tough, tough things. So I do agree with so much. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here being conflicted a little bit, too, but... Um, it, how we treat afterwards and what we do and help and, and things who are, are coming back with a lot more wounds, you know, than, than some of us, the others, and, and things like that. And, um, there's a piece of me that says uh, we need at least a defense military. <laughs> you know, the aggressive military that we have now is, is, I think, damaging, you know, to our whole world peace and stuff like that. And, um, that's my opinion and um, things like that. So anyway, I just, you know, just sharing that we're not, we weren't all there or didn't choose that path necessarily as, I mean, for some of us, it almost felt like this was our way out of a situation in our life. And um, so I'm actually kind of grateful for, you know, the military and the GI Bill, <laughs> you know, allowed me to be college educated and things like that. So. Yeah, it's so complicated, and it is. <laughs> I guess what I'm hoping people take away from what I said today is just think about it. Don't don't hop on the bandwagon and just say thank you for your service because everybody's saying it. But really think about what you mean when you say that, and be be genuine, and be there for people when they get back. Because whether I agree with what they were called to do there or not. They did it in my name, and they gave a lot to do it. I think um, as I work through it, because I'm conflicted as well, but I have said it um, to a young man who was with his father. Um, and the father came back later and said that meant a lot to him. <coughs> so um, I think you can love the individual Absolutely. and hate the, the, the scheme of things. Absolutely. And so if it's done with that spirit, mm -hmm. then I think it, it helps both you and them, mm -hmm. or can. Yeah. Someone behind you had her hand up. Mm -hmm. Thank you. I'm afraid I'm very cynical on this subject. I was quite young during World War II, uh, 10, 11, 12, somewhere in there. <clears throat> and it seemed to me that we went into that war with a noble cause. And what we did after that war, and again, I was very young and, and probably ill-informed, the Marshall Plan, instead of keeping our enemy, former enemies down, we tried to raise them up, and I thought, I was inspired by that. I was really proud to be an American. Since that time, I have tried to find a reason for our going into so many different wars, being told one thing by the government, and then finding out later that our motives were entirely different for that reason. I probably shouldn't even have spoken because I'm cynical and very sympathetic to the service people, whatever their reason is for going in. To me, it seems like, in a way, 
there may be pawns. They may be pawns. And so I'm, I'm very sympathetic toward them, but not always toward, toward our motives for going into these conflicts that cause so much pain and suffering, not only to our people, but to the people in whose lives we intervene. I loved your sermon. <laughs> Someone behind you was had her hand up too. Um, yes, um, that phrase makes me a little uncomfortable too. And um, in response to Kate, I have asked a serviceman how he feels about it. It's a friend of mine. But I think what happens, uh, this phrase is thrown around so easily. All military personnel um, for instance, we, we enjoy our 10% discount at Lowe's quite often. And so when we get that discount, they automatically say, thank you for your service. So I've asked my friend how he feels about that, and he says, well, he honorably and passionately did his four years, but it was for his own betterment. It was, a, you know, he didn't have nothing he wanted to increase his status and he, at that time, which he did. And um, he didn't do anything, you know, really. It was more for himself, with his country. He's a great patriot, but with his country in mind. But he's old enough, as am I, to remember World War II. And there were lots of people that gave all and more. Absolutely. Not just four years. So that. That's the way we feel about it. That's the way he feels. Hi, I'm very new. This is my second time here. My name is Monica. So I'm going to share a vague and fairly ignorant opinion just based on my personal experience. Um, I've worked in a couple of spheres that sort of opened my eyes up to the, I, I don't know, we're all getting at the shared humanity of reality, right? We're talking about service members and what that feels like and how the experiences are. I did hospice and palliative research for service members on the East Coast. So that involved calling their next of kin within a month of their passing. I mean, these were not people that were killed in duty. They, they had passed away at the, you know, after living usually long lives. Um, and some of the, the information that I feel is really relevant to share from that, other than processing a lot of really big emotions and grief associated with family members and what that looks and sounds like across a lot of different cultures. A lot of them were um, individuals out of Puerto Rico. Um, almost every single one of those people was diagnosed with PTSD. Um, and I think that that is a huge component of the way that our current system lets down our service members. And I would like to broaden that to include law enforcement officers, anybody that regularly deals with trauma and isn't being appropriately supported psychologically is going to manifest that in all sorts of different ways. And then more recently in my professional reality, supporting that system from a perspective of um, homeless vets. Um, and what that looks like down the road and how those things manifest. So I just want to share the perspective of the, the immense 
and life-altering experiences people have, whether they choose to go into the service voluntarily or they, they need to get there to be able to get out of whatever situation they're in. If you haven't experienced that level of like chronic chaos and violence and trauma in your day-to-day life, I think it's really hard to sincerely relate to what that experience looks like. Um, so that's just my position and opinion that I wanted to share. Thank you. I just have a question that you might have some ideas for helping. How do we deal with diminished patriotism when we see what our government has done? And how, and when we witness that a certain proportion of our um, population has claimed patriotism as you know, their place to be, and that we are less than patriotic because we choose to stand and say, this is not right. Well, I bet all of us have thoughts about that. Um, I think it's important to struggle and to to be aware of how you're feeling about, you know, if you feel like the country is doing wrong or our leaders are betraying us, I think it's important to acknowledge that and to speak it. I mean, that's the purpose of our form of government, right? Is that we should all be able to say that and for those people who want to use patriotism as some kind of a club and say, you know, we don't fit if we don't agree with them, I, I don't think that's right. Because being able to have those civil conversations and work together to make the kind of country we want to have, that's the point. I think we're being patriotic when we stand out there and ask questions and hold signs and, you know. And being willing to be in the struggle. Absolutely. Because that's where, that's where I am. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right. Okay. Oh. Uh, so I am actually a uh, service member. I went to Afghanistan, to Pakistan, to Haiti. Um, and to touch on what you just brought up, um, I think that the term diminished patriotism is gaslighting. I think that it's something that people use to, to convince you that you shouldn't fight for what's right. Because the most patriotic thing that you can do is stand up when there's some sort of injustice. Absolutely. And anyone who says that that's not the patriotic thing to do is just patently. I don't, I don't think that's a thing. I think that, that doing what's right takes the most courage above anything else in any situation. So by standing up, that is that's the definition of patriotism. That's why our country started. Um, so just try and not let those people impact you as much as it seems that they do. Because doing what's correct is the most patriotic thing you can do. I think that's a good kind of summary and closing and final words on the conversation. I don't know. Do you all want to continue talking or are we? 
Have we had a chance to say what we need to say? Thank you. I really enjoyed this kind of back and forth and among conversation. We don't get to do it in the congregations where I usually am. So I really appreciated it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Can I just say one, one more thing? I, yeah. I, I mean, the, one of the things that, that, that I think is, is often we missed. Yeah. 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 Come on, Eric. And, and that I meant to say was that, is that one of the things that's often missed about this thing about being in service to the people who are actually out there putting themselves in harm's way is that the odd thing is, is they're not surrounded by their family. So, I mean, as it was, the, you know, working in a surgical hospital, it's just so clear to everyone that there's no family to go out and talk to in the waiting room. Mm -hmm. You're their family, and that I think that was the same thing. The helicopter pilots felt. I mean, everyone felt that these were kids away from home, and 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 so the service part, I think, is is, is that's why it's so acutely felt. Is, mm -hmm. that, is that they're really separated from their usual support system. Right. So so we so you all as people in there in it with them sort of become their family. Their surrogate family. And yeah. I think that, that was something that, that you could just see. And I, and I think that was the big draw about that. And, and that they weren't there by choice. They were mm -hmm. there under duress. And we were as well. But I mean, it, it becomes clear after you're there for a while about that that, 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 that usual <coughs> structure is gone. Mm -hmm.